Hi, I'm Mike Caponeri, and this is the FEMA Podcast. Today we're going to be talking about preparing for severe weather. Throughout large portions of the country, many state emergency management agencies view the month of March as the ideal time to be talking about preparedness actions related to severe weather. If you live in the Midwest, you know severe weather is part of our lives. Tornadoes, floods, and lightning are part of our regular vocabulary. But do we really know what to do to prepare for these events? When you hear these sounds, do you know what to do? Do you know how to prepare before something happens or even what to do after? We know severe weather can happen during any season and impact any part of the country. But spring is a time of transition when late season snowstorms can impact areas, the threat of strong winds and tornadoes become more likely, rivers overflow their banks, and there are heavy downpours that can lead to flash flooding, which we've seen a lot of over the past couple of years throughout the country. We are encouraging everyone to get the word out and help the whole community, everyone prepare for severe weather. Today, we're going to be talking to the state PIO or public information officers from Nebraska, Ms. Jody Fowle and the state of Iowa, Ms. Stephanie Bond. And not coincidentally, this week is Severe Weather Awareness Week for both those states, both Nebraska and Iowa. So ladies, thanks for joining us this morning. Thank you, Mike. Yeah, thanks for having us. Jody, just wanted to start with you here. What are some of the topics that you all have been focusing on this week and any kind of creative activities that you all have been thinking about to get folks to hopefully start thinking a little bit more about how to prepare, maybe taking some action. Well, Nebraska does a severe weather poster contest every year that includes fourth graders from across the state. And this year, we've had our biggest turnout. with We've got 900 posters, which means there are 900 fourth graders out there that can educate their parents about some of the things their family needs to do to be safe during the spring and summer months. We Our first place poster went to uh, Clayton Butler from Hemingford out west in Box Butte County. And his poster featured a guy named Blue Lightning, a superhero. And he teaches about safety as well as a comic strip about opposite Cooper, a guy who doesn't care about safety and keeps getting struck by lightning because he doesn't follow safe practices during lightning storms. And uh, Blue Lightning says, safety is super, don't be like Cooper. So we just had so many good posters. That one was yeah, that is, good on, pardon me? really cool. Yeah, I, that is really cool. I mean, I've got a third grader myself who I often think has got more of an well, not think does have more of an imagination than me. So, right, leave it to uh to fourth graders to come up with uh, that type of idea. Well, and I talked to Clayton a little bit, and I'm hoping that maybe he'll draw some other comic strips so that we can promote it to other kids next year. And I'm excited about the possibilities of that. One of my favorites of the of the competition featured some uh, photographers and the the artist wrote stop taking pictures of tornadoes and get inside and as a photographer that was our fourth place finisher kinsey lobby of uh, loomis and it was just so true because typically in nebraska and i suppose in iowa too we go to the back porch and watch the storms as they approach and that's really not the best practice uh when there's a tornado approaching you need to get to your safe place your basement or your shelter the uh, poster contest is one way that we promote it across the state another way a lot of the local emergency managers in all the counties they've scheduled storm spotter training 
and those classes are designed to educate participants to severe weather clues and familiarize them with how to use that information and then just be situationally aware of the weather systems. And then actually, not this week, but April 7th, I'm going to be at the annual Central Plains Severe Weather Symposium, which we typically call Weather Fest. And I know that there are other locations across the state that have these Weather Fests to get people interested in weather and talk about what their plans are and what they will do in the event of severe weather in their community. Great. Well, thanks for going over all that, Jody. I can't recall offhand, but I think in the past there's been some type of, of studies that have been done that demonstrate when children talk to their parents about preparedness for emergency severe weather, that the parents and the families are more likely to actually you know, sit down together and talk about having a family emergency plan, uh, the importance of an emergency supply kit. So I think that's great that uh, you all are doing that poster contest and hopefully gets the children talking with their families about these topics. Yeah, I, I will say that for the NEMA staff that get to judge those posters, it's really one of our favorite times of the year to see what these kids, like you said, they're clever at that age, uh, what they come up with and um, how they want to tell people to be safe. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks, Jody. And let's turn to Stephanie now in Iowa. And uh, I know you all have been working hard in Iowa to help prepare the citizens. So what are some of the things that you all have been working on this week? Well, we don't have anything as fun as a poster contest. Now, we do work with fifth graders in the state with the FEMA STEP program, the Student Tools for Emergency Planning. That has been going over really well. We also have our own superhero. Um, We call him Preparedness Man, and he uh, is featured in a lot of our materials that we send out. We like to do a lot on social media, putting out memes throughout the week. And then we had a press conference this last Monday where the governor announced that she was proclaiming this Severe Weather Awareness Week. And they also announced that we have a new tool that is linked on our website. So whenever there are storms, that citizens can go and report any kind of damage or report any kind of um, weather that happens in their area so that when After the fact, the emergency managers are trying to figure out where they need to go and look at damage. They've got a record of that, and we can kind of follow up with everyone who puts their information into that app. Thanks, Stephanie. You know, talking about social media, you mentioned some of the memes that you all are using this week, kind of getting folks thinking about preparing for severe weather. I think, you know, you both agree, um, having worked with you for a number of years now, that um, social media really has become fastest and most efficient way of getting severe weather-related information, preparedness information out to the public. So, you know, using that as a vehicle this week especially makes a lot of sense. Either of you at this point, um, Nebraska and um, Iowa, because I don't know offhand, what is uh, the best way to folks follow you all on social media if they'd like to? Well, we're on Facebook and Twitter in Iowa, and we also have a YouTube account where we've put some videos up. So I think mostly we would get most of our traffic through Facebook and Twitter. Okay. But in Nebraska, that's pretty much the same way. We have uh, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, probably Twitter and Facebook where we put most of our information. We even have a Flickr account so that we can put pictures up and share them with people, but mainly Facebook and Twitter. I think that's obviously staying 
informed, notified is extremely important no matter where you are throughout the country. Obviously, every area has got different hazards and is going to be impacted by different events, but making sure that you're staying informed, whether that's on social media, there are a number of weather-related apps that you can download. There's the I'll put a plug-in for the FEMA app, which you can download, and uh, it's just a, a great way to, to stay informed. So, Jody, let me uh, get back to you here and want to talk a little bit about planning for pets and pet preparedness, uh, because as uh, many of us know, those are members of the family. So any suggestions from you for how to uh, incorporate them, our uh, pets, into preparedness planning? Well, I appreciate you uh bringing this topic up because, as you know, I have a dog, Jancy, that I uh, really love, and she needs to go to the basement with me uh, when there's whenever there's a tornado. So she's like my daughter, but I hope my daughter doesn't hear this, <laughs> my other daughter. <laughs> but we, uh, we just have to remember that during disaster, what's good for you is also good for your pet. So when you make your preparedness kit that includes – enough food and water and clothes and blankets and a battery operated radio, flashlights, all those things that we need, that you need to also include items for your pet. And you want to make sure that you have dog food, cat food, gerbil food, whatever pet that you're going to bring down to your safe room. If you would have to evacuate, you won't None of us want to leave our pet behind, but you need to remember that you may not be able to take them into a shelter. Make a plan that includes where will you take your pet if a tornado goes to your town? Do you have uh, relatives close by or friends that you could make an agreement with that if something happens to them or something happens to you that you would take care of their pet? And just, you know, make sure we say a gallon of water per person per day is a good amount to keep for three days worth of um, if you have to stay at home and you want to have water, bottled water for your pets too. Get your pets uh, microchipped if you haven't already done that in case they were outside and you were looking for them. If you're unable to return to your house, you may have to board your pet. So think ahead of time, just like we do for ourselves, what will you do to take care of your pet during the recovery time after a disaster? I was going to say, I think my pet's um, emergency kit is way better than mine. (laughs) Much more up to date than mine is. (laughs) I agree with you. She's very important to me, so I definitely have stuff ready for her. Well, that's a good reminder for us to periodically check on our emergency supply kit. Uh, I know our emergency supply kit at our house, we probably had for about, the last time it was updated was about three years ago. So it's probably time for me to, to check that and update it. And, you know, one thing to mention, especially as we talk about a, a situation where there might be power outages or prolonged power outages, and you're in your safe room, wherever that might be in your house, the most interior, low-lying area away from windows while you're in that space, if you have, because this is particularly salient for me because I've got an eight-year-old, a five-year-old, and a two-year-old, but just ways to kill time with them. If you're going to be in that area and there's going to be no power, maybe you've got your flashlights, just some things that to kind of um, to pass the time, coloring books, activities, you know, puzzles, little things like that that you could include 
in that supply kit that don't take up that much space. But if you ever find yourself in a situation where you are having to take shelter and there's no power, it'll, as a parent, I can just say, it will help make the time go by much easier if you've got something to, um, to keep them busy. So just thinking about some other items in those emergency supply kits that maybe we don't always traditionally consider that could just help the, the time go by if you ever find yourself in that situation. I was going to say one of the things that I I have thought about putting in my kit, and they, it isn't there yet, but important uh, papers and documents and maybe some cash in case the Absolutely. electricity is out. And um, the other thing that I read once that you should have in your kit, and so when I've given disaster supply kits to people, I have included a crowbar. And the reason being that if your house is devastated by a tornado above you and you need to get out, that might be a tool that you could use to uh, get your family out of the shelter if that would ever be necessary. I've heard a whistle too. So in case you're buried and you know you want somebody to hear you, and you don't want your voice to go hoarse from yelling, is that you've got a whistle that you can blow that they can hopefully hear you. That's a yeah. great idea. Absolutely. Just make sure that the young kids don't have access to the whistle when they're right. in that, in that <laughs> room. <laughs> um, oh, my so dog will be barking so loud anyway that... <laughs> right, right. You've got a built-in whistle there, yeah. Yeah. Maybe put but, it in a bottle of vitamins, then they won't want it. That's right. <laughs> uh, so on the, on the topic of uh, power, uh, let me uh, turn to you for a minute, Stephanie. So generators, I know we, you know, people use generators during disasters. We saw this most recent hurricane season, uh, generators being used in large quantities. So I was just wondering if you could talk about generator use for a second and um, any tips that you might have for folks to do when there is no power. Well, if you're in an area where power does go out, having a generator is always, you know, a good precaution, but you need to be able to use those responsibly. Um, If you use a generator, um, you make sure you want to have that not inside your home or garage. You need to have enough ventilation for that generator, and don't connect your generator to your home's electrical system. I'm thinking most recently, I mean, if you're in your home and you've got your generator in your home, that does put out carbon monoxide, and that can be deadly. You can't smell that. My mind is going to a recent story where this Iowa family was in Mexico for their holiday, right. and they were overcome by by toxic fumes, and they were all killed. I'm sure they didn't smell that, and that's the kind of thing you have to worry about is you need to make sure that you're you're using those things, but you're using them safely. Yeah, no, very good and important information to relay. So thanks, Stephanie. And that story of the Iowa family, I think, uh, you know, most people are, are aware of. That was an absolute tragedy. Uh, okay. It definitely hits home the, the importance of um, using generators safely, even though that wasn't generator caused, the um, same type of effect where you can't smell, you, you don't know that there's anything wrong. So. Right, um, and having a carbon monoxide alarm is always a good idea in, in addition to your smoke alarms, and some of them are even combination smoke and carbon monoxide, I think, now too, and making yeah. sure that you have one that's battery-operated so that if there is a disaster and something were to happen that you've got, you know, you still have that capability for it to work. Yeah, absolutely, and for more information on what we were just discussing, uh, what Stephanie went through in terms of safe use of generators, carbon monoxide detectors. The United States Fire Administration, USFA, 
uh, with NFEMA has got a ton of great information. So just checking out their website, the United States Fire Administration, you can find a lot of good information on how to properly and safely use a generator and information on carbon monoxide detectors and you know, how you could go about getting those. So good information, important information. Um, all right, so this has all been, I think, good general information, which we've gone through talking about ways to stay informed and notified ahead of severe weather, what to do if you find yourself going through uh, severe weather, that, whether that's a tornado or just really strong winds and you have to take shelter and, and go to that safe room. But wanting to get into a little bit more specific things that, that we're dealing with in the spring here in the Midwest. So the state of Iowa is certainly no stranger when it comes to flooding. In fact, this marks the 10-year anniversary of the 2008 Iowa floods, which essentially affected the entire state. I think pretty much every county in that state or close to it was part of the federal disaster declaration. And to this day, it's been one of the costliest disasters from a public assistance standpoint, FEMA public assistance standpoint, which essentially means dollars that went to public infrastructure that were damaged, that were affected. So, Stephanie, uh, in Iowa, you know, your experience and what should folks know about floods? Well, I think people underestimate the power of a flood, and I think you see that especially when, you know, you see cars trying to drive through floodwaters. And I can't stress this enough. I mean, a few inches of water, six inches of water moving can knock you down as a person, and only a foot of moving water can sweep your car away. So people just really underestimate what they, you know, what they can drive through. And also when you're driving through flood water, you don't know how deep that is. You don't know what's happened underneath if the, if the pavement's given way, if there's a giant hole. You don't know any of that. Basically what they'd say is turn around, don't drown because, I mean, it's just, it's just not a good idea. You see people that get into these situations and then somebody has to come in and try and rescue them. You're not only putting your own life in danger, but you're putting in those um, responders' lives in danger as well as they're trying to save you. And at nighttime especially, you know, you need to keep a, an eye on, or have that app on your phone that will remind you if there is a flash flood warning. Because in the dark, it's much harder to see, and you just need to be aware of what's going on around you so that you don't, you know, have one of those situations where you're the statistic that somebody is talking about on the news the next day. Yeah, and it, it seems like, Stephanie, in recent years, we're getting – bigger and badder vehicles, if you will, the the latest SUV, and maybe there's a feeling of invincibility, you know, water is in front of a person, and even driving around signs that, that close roads, kind of that feeling of, well, I've got this, you know, big vehicle, and I can handle it, I can take it, and then, like you say, it, it doesn't take much water, you don't know how deep it is, it's deceptive, and then all of a sudden, uh, you're, you become a rescue operation, and someone else is putting their life at stake. Right. Yeah. And I think this last year during um, the hurricane in Texas, there was a family who was trying to escape the floodwaters and everyone but one person in that van, were they were killed. And, you know, it's just one of those things you just don't think it's going to happen to you, but you just really need to be careful and, and know where you're going to go, where your evacuation routes are, and really keep tabs on, you know, the news and what's going on around you at all times, because, it's just one of those things that, yeah, people do think they're invincible, Mike, and especially, you know, I've got friends with larger trucks and SUVs, and they said, oh, well, I can drive through that. I've done it right. before, and it's not a big deal, but it is a big deal, and, you know, there'll be that one time when they think they're going to be able to get through it, and they won't. Yeah, and that, that sentence you just said a little while ago 
that folks just don't think it's going to happen to them. I think that can be applied to various types of severe weather, whether it's flooding, a tornado, earthquake, whatever it might be. And that complacency is what we're trying to um, to combat during weeks like this in Iowa and Nebraska and really across the country as we talk about severe weather awareness, just trying to get folks thinking about you never know. So it, it makes sense to prepare ahead of time. So yeah, thanks for going through that. And as we kind of wrap up our conversation here, uh, let me just turn to Jody. And is there anything else, Jody, that you wanted to mention that Nebraska is working on this week, Nebraska Emergency Management, or um, just anything that you wanted to mention? Yeah, um, I, th- I think Iowa did this today also. We had a tornado practice drill uh, across the state, and many people participated here at NEMA. Uh, our uh, state emergency operations center is the tornado shelter for the entire Joint Force headquarters. So we had all the military people in our um, state emergency operations center. We did the general ask for accountability from everybody to make sure that each department had all their people that were working today in the building in the tornado shelter. And that was a good practice, and it kind of reminds me that we all need to think and prepare ahead of time for these events and know what our our plans are. Um, and also, I, I just wanted to mention that one of the best ways that we can prepare for emergencies is by working together. And as an a emergency management agency, we work with FEMA, we work with Iowa and other states on issues that affect us both, but we, oh, for instance, uh, each time there's a a weather service conference call uh, about upcoming severe weather, local emergency managers across Nebraska, and uh, there, I think there are six um, offices of weather services that cover Nebraska, so we would be on the calls and being prepared so that we know if the most recent ones have been snow, but in this spring season, we would know where the potential for severe thunderstorms or tornadoes or flooding would be thanks to the weather service. So I always urge people to know who your local weather service office is and uh, follow them. Just be situationally yeah. aware about the things that are going on. Just have a trusted source of information, whether it's the local media or the weather service. Knowing what your hazards are is always important, too. Um, we don't get very many earthquakes in Nebraska, and that's not a spring necessarily issue, but just knowing that it could happen here is important for people. And then the last thing I wanted to say was uh, outdoor warning sirens. I just wanted to make sure that everybody knew that they are outdoor warning sirens. They aren't necessarily designed for you to hear inside your house. Uh, of course, I can hear them in my house, but uh, that's why when the weather looks bad, it's important to just be ready, uh, be situationally aware, and keep track on your own of what the weather's going to do in your community. Yeah, thanks, Jody. I think in, in those situations, like you were saying earlier, if it looks ominous outside, that's a, a good time to pay particular attention to the weather-related app that you might have on your phone, those trusted sources, whether that's, you know, county emergency management, state emergency management, the National Weather Service, just, you know, making sure that you're staying informed and that you're um, staying aware. 
Thanks, Jody. Uh, Stephanie, anything that you wanted? Anything else that you wanted to mention? Well, absolutely. I mean, everything that Jody said is something that we think about here as well. And we have five um, National Weather Service offices that um, serve our state, and they're a very important partner. And we actually have pages on both of our websites linked to the National Weather Service. So if someone didn't know which office served their county, they can go to our website. They can go to the Ready Iowa site, which is beready.iowa.gov, and they can go to that site and find out which office serves their county. Um, As far as the outdoor weather um, warning sirens, yeah, I mean, we hear that complaint every year. It's like, well, I didn't hear the siren. It's like, where were you? Well, I was in my house. Well, they are designed for people who are inside, and the situational awareness is extremely important, and you need to make sure that you're aware at all times. I mean, the Weather Service is a a, a huge partner of ours. Um, If you can put any kind of app on your phone, that will alert you or make sure that your wireless emergency alerts are enabled on your phone so that if you need to get that information, you will get that through your cell, your mobile phone. Just make sure that you, you've got all that stuff available to you and that you're, you're paying attention because, you know, the weather in Iowa and I'm sure the weather in Nebraska and mm-hmm. Missouri, it can change on a dime. And like, you know, you mentioned we had seven inches of snow in northern Iowa last week and now, you know, we're talking about possible tornadoes this week with severe weather awareness week it can happen you know in an instant where it just turns and you you just need to keep aware of the situation and make sure that your family is um, also aware of the situation thanks stephanie i think the weather in iowa just over these past couple days and the remaining the remaining week is a perfect example of how quickly it can turn so yeah absolutely well i want to thank both jody and stephanie thanks to our guests today for all the great information and we hope that by hearing these tips you don't let what could be a dangerous season catch you unaware remember to get ready for spring knowing your risk take action be an example i mentioned earlier but would again i just encourage you to download the fema app to locate get directions to open shelters across the state Um, you can receive weather alerts from the national weather service for up to five different locations anywhere in the u.s so For instance, my mother-in-law is down in uh, north-central Arkansas and is just very busy, has a lot going on, and I've got her county plugged in as one of my five locations. And we actually had an instance uh, last year where, uh, this is Franklin County, Arkansas, where there was a tornado warning that was issued. It was about 10.30 at night, and I happened to catch it on my phone, and I mentioned to my wife, hey, you know, it might be a good idea to give your mom a call. And she did, and, and sure enough, while she was on the phone with her, she said that they just sounded the um, the sirens. You know, thinking about family members or loved ones that lived in other locations as well, um, you can put five locations anywhere in the United States through that app, and it's available in the Apple Store and on Google. And finally, for more information about being prepared for an event, what to do during an event or other information, Ready.gov is a great website, just a great resource, ready.gov, tons of information there. A lot of what you heard both Jody and Stephanie talk about, templates for filling out family communications plans, emergency supply kits, just a lot of great information there. So thanks again to Jody and Stephanie, and we've linked this episode on the FEMA Facebook page. We invite you to join the conversation in the comments.